Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. If you've got your Bible on you tonight, uh, could you turn with me to the book of Mark and chapter 1? And I'm going to read to you a story. I'm going to bring out a couple of little points and, uh, and then we're done. Good? Everyone happy? Everyone awake? I know it's Sunday night. All the Port Adelaide supporters are happy. Although it wasn't a convincing performance, we did get over the line. Uh, maybe that's the confidence boost that we need uh, just to get up and running again. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> it's a good thing that we don't base our uh, response to God on emotional things like who won the footy. <laughs> Anyway, let's go. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. Uh, When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, he went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her and she prepared a meal for them. She must have been Italian. Um, That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons because the demons knew knew who he was. He did not allow them to speak. Pretty amazing story, yeah? I'm just going to pray quickly, if that's cool, as much for me as it is for you. God, I just pray that you would uh, anoint your word tonight, that it would go out and it would not return void. God, that it would be a seed that is sown into good soil, uh, that you would reveal revelation, reveal yourself to us in this place tonight, and that every heart would leave full to overflowing with something of a deposit of faith from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brilliant. I love God's Word. It's so powerful. So we're going to start at the top here. We're going to work our way through. It's all good. This is a kind of a, a finishing message. It's the message I was going to preach in the last session, and God kept changing the script on me. I uh, went home uh, after Friday night and wrote a whole new message for the second session on, on Saturday morning. You know, you just I, I thought I had plenty of messages. I've got eight messages ready, and he just kept changing the script, whatever. He just likes to mess with me, I think. <laughs> Firstly, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and began to teach. If we read, there's a version of this story that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 4. And it says, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue. Now, this is not officially part of my message, but it's something I'd like to touch on, if that's all right. Um, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. and The Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and His name was Jesus. Yeah? If Jesus needed to go to church, then why aren't you? 
And now I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're all here tonight. But I'm just saying, if you ever had that little conversation with yourself about how you don't really need to go to church and I can have a relationship with God, I, without being rude to you, I would suggest that Jesus' connection to God is possibly a little stronger than your own. And if the Son of the living God, who was the Word of God incarnate in flesh that dwelt amongst us, if the Redeemer of the world, the one who came and died on the cross, had a habit in his life that he felt was of enough value to record it for all time in the Gospels, then maybe, just maybe, it's something of value that I need to incorporate into my life, into my faith walk. Maybe... Maybe church is a good idea. I'm just saying, if Jesus thought it was good enough, you know, it, may, it probably mentions Jesus going to church more than it does Jesus getting baptized. Just put it out there. Don't hate me. I just that's just bonus points, right? That's not anything to do with the message. I just when I was reading it. God just quickened that to me. That is an important thing. If we can take a note out of the... For me, it's all about doing what Jesus did. And if Jesus felt it was important to go to church, possibly it's important for me to go to church too. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to church going, that's amazing revelation. I've never heard that before. <laughs> you, you preach, man. Did you hear what he just said? That's amazing. I mean, we are talking about he is the word. He is the Bible. So it's pretty safe to assume he wasn't even going to church for him. It's also pretty safe to assume, I looked for it, I couldn't find anywhere where he stopped and said to the disciples, you know, we need to flip the script on this church thing. I need some deeper teaching. I looked for it, I couldn't find it. He is the deepest teaching. And yet he was in, anyway. Just getting a bit excited. I'm sorry. Anyway, here we go. He began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. I believe that God has a sense of humor. I believe there's a lot of funny things in the Bible. Um, he also, for those of you who think sarcasm is the lowest form of wit, I'm here to tell you that the book of Job is incredibly sarcastic. God is very sarcastic with Job. And if it's good enough for God, then it's good enough for me. I'm just saying it. Tone, I think we're moving in the anointing when that sarcasm starts to roll. Just book a job, man. Open it up. God's saying, oh, yeah, of course, because you were there when I laid the foundations of the world. Weren't you smarty pants, you know, having this conversation with Job. So let's just not disparage on all the sarcasm. Let's just let it flow. Let it flow. It's good. Anyhow. The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, unlike the teachers. of We're talking about the Pharisees. I mean, these guys have had the Bible for generations in their culture. You memorize the first five books of the Bible in a song by the time you're 13. They know the word. They know the symbolism. They know everything it means. They have a cultural context for how it works. And yet in all of their teaching, the people turn around and said, whatever you're saying is good information, but it doesn't have any authority attached to it. 
So what is the difference? What is the, what is the, the defining characteristic of when Jesus taught from the same Scripture, when He taught from the same book, when He opened the same thing up? What was it about what He was saying that people began to sense that there's something different going on here? I put it to you because there's a Scripture in Matthew 28, 18 that says, All authority under earth and under heaven has been given unto Him. Jesus speaking of Himself. I got it all. So if I give you all of my chocolate, how much do I have left? None. So the only time I have chocolate is when I'm eating your chocolate. So if all authority has been given to Him, the only time I can communicate something with any level of authority is when I'm saying what He would be saying if He was here. The thing that defines the authority that I bring when I bring the Word is my connection to the source. We have a generation that got so detached from the source that they were looking at the Messiah, the one who had been prophesied for generations, and they had become so detached from the source, they didn't even recognize the embodiment of their promise when it stood in front of them and began to teach the Word because they'd become so detached from the source of the authority they'd made it all about the method. Church, let's not be that. Let's not be the kind of church that has detached a bunch of information from the source that brings the transformation. I don't want to be part of a church that knows all the answers and doesn't know Him. He has real authority because He has a real relationship with Jesus, with God. There's, there's an intimacy between God the Father, God the Son. There's a Father-Son picture of a relationship. Obviously, it's beyond our comprehension to actually understand what that looks like. But I'll be honest with you, what you said this morning, Tone, I don't really want to serve a God that I can fit inside my head. If I can work Him out, He's not much of a God. The whole point is an infinite God crammed into a finite space. Trust me, there's going to be overflow. There's going to be things that I don't understand, that I don't get. The great mysteries, the wonder that we spoke about this morning, that, that's always going to be there. I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want to serve a God that I can figure out. But let's stay attached because when we're attached, that's where the authority comes from. Otherwise, we're just flapping our gums and telling stories. And it's lovely and it's nice, but, but it's a little pointless if I'm honest. You've got a bunch of people sitting in church. Week after week after week. And they didn't even recognize until somebody came in who was actually connected. And maybe he preached the same message that they preached last week. But there was a difference. And the point of difference was the connection to the source. I'm so happy to be with great leaders like Tone and Kath because I know that the most paramount important thing to them is to stay connected to the source. I feel safe with that. I feel safe in that. I feel like, you know what? I can feel that they're connected to something that's beyond just what, what we're seeing in front of us, just beyond what's, what's right in front of us. There's something more. There's, a, there's real authority here. There's something different. All good? Whew. I think it's quite sarcastic. It's quite unlike the teachers of religious law. He's actually, you know, they're really good, unlike you guys. <laughs> it's pretty cool. 
Anyway, suddenly in the man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting. Isn't that interesting? You'd be amazed who you find in church. I'm just saying. I find, I find it interesting on two levels. I find it interesting on the first level, right, that the devil's in church. What the actual heck? What, what are you doing in church, man? Haven't you got other things to be doing now? You got other lives to be ruining somewhere about now? No, he's in church. Devil's in church. Maybe there's a little part of him that still misses the presence. I don't know. Maybe the reason the devil hates you so much is because you get to do the one thing he can't never do again. Just, you know, this guy's sitting in the back of church. It's interesting. When we actually connect to the source, what begins to stir up? It's the same message. It's the same scripture from last week. But because it's connected to something, all of a sudden this dude who's been coming to church for weeks and sitting in the back and going, yes, amen, and waving his hands in there, all of a sudden, when real authority, when the actual presence of God gets in the house, oh, this is a bit uncomfortable. I also find it interesting what he said. Suddenly the man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Understand, our God is so powerful that the mere hint of His presence and even the demons begin to declare the glory of, I know who you are. I know the authority. I remember... Mm, I get the feeling like the dude was up the back doing his thing and Jesus walked in. He's like, I remember that. What's that? I, 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 that feels familiar. Oh, that's right. I remember walking around that throne, singing holy, holy, holy before my head got fat and I decided to join the devil's side and we all got thrown down. I, I remember that feeling. I remember that glory. I remember that power. I remember that presence. And in the presence of that, I don't have the... Mm -hmm. I don't have the option of staying silent. I don't like quiet church. I think church should be noisy. Even the demons know that church should be noisy. The first thing he does when the presence of God hits, he starts talking about it. Oh, I know who you are. Come on, church. When we come to church on a Sunday, we should walk in, feel the Spirit of God moving in the place. Oh, I know who you are. If the demons can declare the glory of our God, we need to actually stand up and start to declare the glory of the King when we get in His presence. Whew. Sorry, I'm just getting a bit excited. I love that there's no question Get this, there's no question about the ultimate authority that Jesus has. Have you come to destroy us? Not can you destroy us, not let's have a fight. Literally, have you, is it now? Have you come to take us out? Is this the end? Are we done? It's not a question of whether he's powerful enough, it's not a question of whether he's able. It's literally the demons going, is my number up? Have you come for me? Whew. That should excite somebody, I'm just saying. Jesus cut him short, be quiet and come out of the man. 
He has to do as he's told straight away. He has a little hissy fit, a little convulsion, and off he goes. On your bike, son. Amazement began to grip the place as they discussed what had happened. Here's, here's what we've got to beware of. When God moves, I believe God's about to move in this house. I believe God's up to stuff, you know. I get the feeling, I was talking to someone, I get the feeling like God's kind of working in your peripheral vision, you know. And you're like, what the heck was that? And by the time you turn around to see what it was, he's kind of moved to be, again. And you end up doing these, like all day, <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck he's up to. Just get on with what you're doing. He'll do what he's going to do anyway, and you'll find out when he's ready for you to find out. But I just get the feeling that he's up to stuff. That he's on the move, that he's doing something, that he's, he's just at work. He's, he's, he's put the blocks in place. He's building foundations. He's starting to do things because he's preparing this house for a new season. I believe it's a new season of growth. I believe it's a new season of influence. I believe it's a new season of increase in every area. I believe God is setting us up. But here's the danger. Immediately... When God moves, our human nature wants to try and put it in a box. That's what happens. Understand, win a project was unbelievable. But it wasn't really about win a project. Let's not make the win a project the thing. Oh, it's win a project. No, I, I expect the same thing at youth this week. We're having throwback this week. We're going to have some testimonies. We're going to be entering in the presence of God. And the same God that was there at Winter Project is going to be there at youth this week. I'm expecting the prophetic. I'm expecting God to outwork. I'm expecting stuff to start shifting and changing. This wasn't a moment. This was just the beginning of a journey. We're not going to make the, the method or the cart or the wagon is not the, the deal. It's an opportunity that we created, but it's the same Jesus. Let's never get focused on the method because what we see here is they instantly go, what sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. No, you've missed the point. The teaching doesn't have authority. He has authority. Jesus has authority. It's not. You can read this word. Anybody can read this word, but it's the, the connection to the source that brings the authority. Let's not, let's not dumb it down and distill it down to a method. If we do this and we pray like this and we cross ourselves three times and we can expect, no, it's a personal relationship. God wants to move in your situation and your circumstance. It's got nothing to do with the method. It's not about praying the right prayers or saying the right thing or wearing the right suit. It's about connection to Him. Ooh. Sorry, been excited. Even the evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. I've got to tell you, when God starts getting on his bike here, and I think we've seen glimpses of it, but I think we're about to see, you know, when it happens, people are going to come. Word tends to spread, spread quickly. Um, I, I, I don't know. If you've been around Pentecost for a little while, you, anyone remember the Pensacola thing? Oh, I played at Pensacola, played at Brownsville with the Planet Shakers Band. We did a night there with Benny Perez. It was, it was incredible. You know, people falling down everywhere. Guy falling out of the balcony. It was awesome. <laughs> He's going to die. Oh, no. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> yeah. What can you say? Anyway. But Pensacola is this tiny little place in the middle of nowhere. It's, there's nothing there. It's just like a church. The building would have probably been smaller than this. Yeah, but when God showed up, all of a sudden the word spread really quickly. 
And people who want to turn it into a method, they were flying in from all over the world. I've got to get me some of that. And i got no problem with wanting to be in the presence of God and wanting to be around what he's doing. I think any time God is moving, that's why I love Pastor Brian and the Hillsong Church. I think any time God is using somebody significantly, we as the body of Christ should stop cutting each other down and telling everybody what they're doing wrong and actually get around and yes and amen what God is doing. Nobody is saying that we've all arrived and we've got it all sorted out. We're all on a journey. There's things that God has taken us through. But if his hand is on what you're doing and the blessing is there and it's undeniable, we as the church should be one body rising up saying, Amen, God, keep doing it. Whatever's on them, we'll have some of that too. Come on, bring it. Yes. I'm nearly done, I think. My voice is saying I'm nearly done. But here's the whole point of this message. Here's the the thing that I wanted to bring, particularly to you young people who've been at Winter Project, but it applies to all of us. The next verse for me is the powerful one. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. It does you no good to leave Jesus at church. The only time any of this has any kind of impact on your life is when you take Jesus home. That's the point. I want the authority. I want the move. I want the power. I want the encounter. I want the teaching. But I want to take it home. Can can I get that to go? (laughs) And can I get a large fries with that? (laughs) Can I... That's why, to me, I love the heart of this church to put the podcast of all the messages up on the internet so you can get them for free. What are they saying? They're saying you can get this one to go. You can take this home and apply it in your Monday and in your Tuesday and in your Wednesday and in your Thursday because your encounter with Jesus, it works on Monday. And the truth that you've been taught and the things that have been injected into your spirit and the stuff that's been stirred up, that works in your home. That's the point. What happens if you take Jesus home? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's what happens. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever, and they told Jesus about her right away. So he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her up, and the fever left, and she prepared a meal for them. And no, the point is not that if you take Jesus home, you get a feed. (laughs) The point is that if you take Jesus home, the people in your world... The people with damage, the people with brokenness, the people with hurt, the people with pain. That all gets ministered to because you chose to not be one of those Christians who likes to hang Jesus on the coat hook as you walk out the door on a Sunday. But you decided to wear your coat home. It's the people in your immediate circle that start to feel the influence of somebody who's decided not just to be a church attender or a pew warmer or somebody who likes to come along in one service a month and that's just what I do. No, no, I, I take Jesus home with me. <laughs> we don't have coat rack on the back wall there where you can check your Christianity and your Jesus on the, on the hook as you walk out the door. It's not going to work out that well for you, if I'm honest, because that's not really how it's designed to be used. It's a little bit like the fly screen door on the submarine. The wrong environment, that's not really going to work all that well, if I'm honest. (laughs) I don't care how good the view is or how you'd like the draft to come through because the house is so stuffy. 
<laughs> My wife likes to open the front door and leave the screen door locked. And I'm like, just close the damn door. I'm cold. But it's so stuffy in here. Get a fan, something. I don't know. Go stand outside. <laughs> anyway. It's designed to be used in a specific environment. Christianity is designed to be worn 24-7. It's not the kind of coat that you take on, put off, take on, put off. It's not really one of those kind of garments. It's a little bit more like a tattoo. It's on you all the time. I'm going to get a temporary tattoo of Jesus. (laughs) Jesus goes, you try that out, mate. See how that goes. First good wash and off she comes. I want to tattoo this thing on me forever. I saw, uh, just a side note, I saw this chick who met this guy on the internet and started dating him. But they'd been known each other about five minutes and she went to flipping whoever he lived and he tattooed his name on her face. And she thought it was awesome. I'm not joking. I'm talking eyebrow to chin all the way across her face. Unbelievable stuff. That's commitment right there. And if it doesn't work out, you're in trouble. Or you better find another bloke with the same name. I don't know. But this is ridiculous stuff. But that's the level of commitment that I have to this thing. If God wants me to tattoo his name across my face, then let's go there. (laughs) I'm really hoping he doesn't. But, you know, if he does. Some of you are saying that would be an improvement. Thanks very much. Um, (laughs) It's that kind of a, a permanent commitment. It only works when you take it home. It's no point coming to win a project and have, oh, it's a great message and Jesus and love and all the calls and it's just beautiful. If it doesn't affect the people that you love, if it doesn't infect your home environment, if the people around your life are not impacted by what impacted you, then you haven't taken it home. My last point and I'm done. Thank goodness the people are saying That evening, after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Once again, we're back to God's authority. You shut up and don't say anything. And they just have to do as they're told. I love that. But the thing I love the most is that when you take Jesus home, not only does your immediate circle become influenced, the whole community gets to a place of transformation. They just took a guy home for dinner. That's all they did. They went to church. They had an experience. You need to eat at my house, bro. They took a guy home for dinner, and it started with the people in my immediate circle getting touched. It started with my immediate family getting just a little sense of something that was going on inside of me. But because it was genuine, because it had real authority, unlike the teachers of religious law, because it was connected to something that was more than just a Sunday relationship with Jesus, but was actually a walk. It was actually a daily, daily thing that they were engaged in. Because it had something behind it, influence started happening. And it started with the mother-in-law Now, we could preach on that for a little while, whether Jesus was having fun with the guy or, but apparently she was a good cook, so I get that. It started with a mother-in-law and ended up 
in community transformation. And church, I want to tell you tonight, if we would come into this house with a sense of expectation, if we would connect our faith to the Word, I'm telling you, the Word that comes here from the platform every Sunday is of such good quality. It's awesome. God is speaking here every Sunday. I've been in church my whole life. I went to church nine months before I was born. I was pretty much born on the front seat. I've rarely missed a Sunday ever. I've been involved in all kinds of level of ministry. You name it, I've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Because back in the day, Pat Mercedes used to sell T-shirts. JCDC, Jesus Christ, Devil Crusher. Oh, yeah. I remember the uh, God and Moses appetite for devotion. Yep, got the (laughs) T-shirt. Help me, Jesus. Anyway, I've been there, done that. I've heard everything you could possibly imagine preached. And yet I come here on a Sunday and there's always something. There's always something that I can take home with me because I've chosen that Jesus is my takeaway. He's not just my come and eat in. You can come and eat in, but always bring the doggy bag. There's always a little something, something over because that's the nature of Jesus. I don't know if you remember the story of the five loaves and the two fish, but whenever Jesus feeds people, there's always leftovers. That's just kind of how he works. He likes to take a little bit that we, the preachers and those people that stand in the platform, we bring our five loaves and our two fish and we say, God, feed the people. I've done everything that I can do. And we put it in the hands of a loving God and we say, feed the people. Let them not go away hungry. And everybody who's hungry with an outstretched hand saying, I could use a little bit to eat. Trust me, if you come hungry, you'll get something to eat. But I'd encourage you to bring a little doggy bag just to take some home because I would hate for your Christian experience to be a one in seven day experience because it doesn't work. It just leaves you miserable and unsatisfied. But if you can turn your Christian experience into a, you know what, I took Jesus home with me. And the funny thing was I ate a little bit Monday and it it seemed like I hadn't even made a dent. And I made a little bit more Tuesday. And I, I, there was still leftovers on Thursday. And, fr- and it just kept going. If you take Jesus home with you, we will see community transformation. If you take Jesus home with you, that family member you've been praying and believing for for such a long time, they are connected to your decision to take Jesus home with you. Those needs and those brokennesses in your environment that you're believing for breakthrough in, that happens when you take Jesus home with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.